Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, how did you spend the last 30 days? Um, Spent some of it camping. Spent some of it uh, doing... Not training camping, right? Not training camping? Okay. Actual actual camping. Real camping. As opposed to training camping, yes. Um spent some of it uh, just laying around the house you know not doing anything important i should have um, spent more time laying around the house because i was at saint joe today and it was muggy i wanted to be <laughs> right back in the ac and what's funny about that is if you look at the the forecast for next week it it is going to be hotter somehow beginning sunday and if you look at the highs, they go into the mid 90s next week. So just in time for the, the veterans to arrive to training camp, those conditions that we see where when they're doing that Andy Reid training camp, John, it, it is not a fun time by any means. Uh, sometimes people are uh, prone to throw up, as a matter of fact. So I've heard. Yes, that's right. We did get our first vomit of training camp about an hour and what, 48 minutes in. Uh, today, Rasheed Rice, and it's funny, uh, I actually thought he looked in better shape than he did at OTAs. Remember the Rasheed Rice conditioning thing mm-hmm. was a little bit of yeah. a storyline during OTAs? Yeah. And here I am thinking Rasheed Rice is going to be good to go, and then you see him. And he's walking a little slow after a play. He gets down. He crouches a little bit. Blah! Puke everywhere <laughs> on the beautiful St. Joe turf. Uh, to start training camp. So not exactly the way that you want to start your rookie season, but that just gives us a nice segue into what's happening right now. The rookies and quarterbacks reported to St. Joseph on Tuesday to begin the longest training camp I can remember. This thing is is about 30 days of training camp because the Chiefs open against the Detroit Lions. Of course, banner night at Arrowhead Stadium on September 7th, that Thursday night. They get to start training camp a little bit earlier. So you saw rookies and quarterbacks report on Tuesday. We are due to see potentially all the Chiefs veterans. Hello, Chris Jones. We'll see if you show up. That'll happen on Friday, Saturday. They'll do their run test on Saturday, and then it is a full go on Sunday. As we said, this is the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. You guys did a disappointing job giving us reviews. I said (laughs) I wanted at least three. By the time we got back, nobody said anything. So... Steve, who will join us for the second segment, he gave us a good idea. We'd like to congratulate Brandon Kiley on his new baby, baby Luca. And what we'd like you to do, rather than leaving a review for us, just this is one week only, special. I know that Ron, the show or the non-show, whatever he's going by now, will will like this. (laughs) We want you to leave Brandon some advice for a new father. If you're a father out there, if you've been a father for years, Uh, Go to our iTunes page and let's give daddy Brandon some advice. I can't give any. I don't have any children. I I've recently become a three pet double cat daddy, one dog daddy. But that is not a human, John, as you know. Uh, Do you have any any piece of advice for Brandon? Why don't you kick us off before we get into this chief stuff? Uh, Avoid the temptation to catch vomit with your hands. Mm-hmm. This that goes for the, the Chiefs training. This goes for the Chiefs training staff as well. When yes, you're at, when you're at yes. practice and Rashid crouches down, that was one of the things I learned. I think in the second year of fatherhood, uh, that trying to get a young a young man uh, to swallow, um, you know, uh, some medicine that he didn't want to take, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually threw up as I was doing that, and I. <laughs> 
put out my hands to catch it. And then I stood there looking at my hands like, what did I just do? <laughs> this is good advice. I'm going to write it down too. Just, I mean, for a later date, I'm going to save this for a later date. And I'm mm -hmm. also write down all the reviews that you guys leave for Brandon, of course, for a, a later date for myself. If you leave a review on the actual Arrowhead Pride podcast network, we will read it on the editor show. We encourage you to do that all season long, but John, it is time to strap in. We have, uh, if the Chiefs were to repeat as champions, a solid seven months of Chiefs talk <laughs> ahead of us. And we start here with a little bit of catch up. There are two big stories that I feel like while we were, were away during the dead period uh, for the month that weren't so dead for the Chiefs. Had we done this show, we probably would have been talking about it. The first one is Chris Jones and a little bit related to it was DeAndre Hopkins choosing not to join the Kansas City Chiefs. And Chris Jones is the biggest story going into training camp. We know that he's going into the final year of his second contract, that four-year contract that he signed four years ago with the Kansas City Chiefs. And he is seeking a new contract. And I think the number one question the Chiefs fans have right now is, will Chris Jones be there on Friday? Now, this is a little bit different than it used to be, where players could hold out and it was a lot easier for them to get their fine money back but with the new collective bargaining agreement the fines are a little steeper so sometimes you lean on the hold in instead of the hold out what does that mean maybe chris jones shows up and says i'm not practicing until we get a contract done maybe he has a stomach bug maybe he has a back issue that jalen ramsey had a couple of years ago in jacksonville <laughs> and then suddenly that back was magically good when he got to Los Angeles. So we might end up seeing that the one domino though, that we needed to see fall John was Quinn and Williams and the New York jets, because all the rumblings, they sound the same that Chris Jones wants to be the second highest paid tackle in the NFL. That would be behind Aaron Donald probably deserves it. I don't think when you talk about Donald and Jones, I don't think anybody comes close, but Quinn and Williams is right there. And that domino John needed to fall before Chris Jones would have his baseline. And that occurred last week. Yeah, uh, Williams got a pretty good contract, but I think most people would have thought it would be higher than it was. Four years, $96 million, so average annual value of $24 million and a $66 million figure guaranteed. Um, I think some people thought that would be higher, and there's a pretty substantial difference between that and what Donald is getting. It's $31 million and change, I think, average annual value. So there's some room there for negotiation. The question is, you know, where in that range does mm -hmm. Jones want to fall? Is it, is it going to be enough that it's a million more or does it need to be three million more or what? Yeah, I think where, where I see this going is there being some tough negotiations. Remember the last time that Chris Jones was up for a contract, there was some negotiation and it had to be figured out. But I, I tend to think, based upon what I'm hearing, that this does get done in the next week or so. Uh, of course, as I was saying, holdouts aren't the same anymore. You can't just hold out a training camp until a deal is done. The franchise tag guys can. I know that there's a, a big conversation going on about running backs right now because you're not technically under contract. And so until you sign the franchise tag, you're basically off the roster. So you don't have to really worry about that. But I think this does get done in the next week or so and what it'll do is free up some cap space we thought that maybe chris jones could sign a new deal and suddenly there would be all this cap space to sign deandre hopkins but i think what what you're seeing now with the kansas city chiefs is the idea that they were going to get hopkins i think changed earlier in the offseason we thought there might be a possibility as time went on but when odell beckham jr signed with the Baltimore Ravens for all the money he did in that 12 to $15 million range. I believe it was $15 million guaranteed. And he didn't even play last year. Suddenly that becomes close to a baseline for Deandre Hopkins. And when you look at the Chiefs' situation, not only do they need to restructure Jones, which will free up cap space, but you're looking at a contract potentially for Legereus Sneed. You look at contracts that are coming up for this great interior line that you built in Creed Humphrey and Trey mm -hmm. Smith. Yeah. You're looking at potentially a new contract for Nick Bolton. How could they deal out this money, that two-year deal that the Tennessee Titans gave DeAndre Hopkins, and then take care of what are really core pieces? Then you look at last year, you're able to win with Juju Smith-Schuster. You start to feel like if we have Patrick Mahomes, maybe 
in the second year of Sky Moore. He's a little bit more developed. Maybe if Kadarius Tony lives up to those expectations and can stay healthy, we don't need to load up at receiver, and you could take care of these guys. I think the Chiefs chose to do that. What I do think you see, John, and this is my prediction with this Jones timeline, I think you see in the coming weeks the Chiefs sign Chris Jones to the extension. We'll see what that number is. See how much cap space they have left, and then you get one of these uh, and we, we've called it on this show, John, like these Brett Veach special twos where you get this incentive laden deal for Carlos Dunlap to be back in the mix. I, I just think that's an easy decision to make. We had noted on ArrowheadPride.com that Carlos had interest. I, I guess based upon how, the way he played in a rotational role last year, the Chiefs would have mutual interest. So I think you see Jones and Dunlap and then that's the team. You're, you're looking at the team that's going to have to try to run it back with what they have in the building and hopefully this version of run it back goes better than the last version of run it back for Kansas city. Uh, Pete, don't say run it back. Don't say it. Okay. <laughs> just just put, put that out of your mind. Okay. okay. We don't want to, we don't want to hear that anymore. We're throwing it back. We're, th- we're throwing run it back out the window. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's not uh, even, let's not even discuss that. I think there's a lot of merit to your argument. And I, and I, and I have also been on the, uh, on the train that, the Chiefs never really intended to spend all of the money that they would save on a Chris Jones extension on signing um, DeAndre Hopkins because I that they've not been on that that train for a while now. Ever since they signed Mahomes to his contract, this has been about building the team through the draft and with young players. And the sooner you get all on board with that, the better. Um, you know, they've had to make a couple of detours along the way, uh, Joe, Joe Tooney being an example, but that was a, a kind of an extreme situation in which the Chiefs found themselves. But I think what they want to do over the long term is bring in young players and develop them uh, to play alongside Patrick Mahomes. And frankly, so far, they're doing really well at it with the, you know, Beach's yeah. first draft wasn't great, but the last couple, three have been good. And I think that's where we're headed over the long term. I think the Chiefs wanted to get Juju Smith-Schuster back in the mix. I think that was very real, but they wanted to do it at an affordable price. Sure, and yeah. when the New England Patriots come in and, and give him the three-year, $33 million bag, it's tough to make that work for the reasons that we were just saying. So the Chiefs are left with no choice but to do this with a younger crop of receivers and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is that elder statesman. I, I think there's more <laughs> pressure on him to take a step forward and maybe play like he did earlier in the playoffs uh, than than he did maybe during last year's regular season. A lot of pressure. Like I'm trying to deal out the pressure here now that, you know, you don't get a receiver like Hopkins. MVS to me is right there. We talked about Sky Moore. There's Mm -hmm. pressure on the Chiefs training staff. Like suddenly you always talk about here, here, you always hear Andy Reid talk about Rick Burkholder. Suddenly it's like, well, Rick, you better keep Kadarius Tony on the field for at least 14, 15, 16, 17 games because now you need him even more, right? Mm-hmm, There's right. added pressure on potentially a Justin Watson. What can Richie James do on offense in, in year one? How is Noah Gray going to take a step forward? I, I still tend to think you get that 1,000-yard year out of Travis Kelsey, but there is going to have to be that second pass catcher one of the guys we just mentioned that takes a, a step forward. Maybe it's finally that breakout year for MVS. Maybe it's Kadarius Tony proving that he's the number one wide receiver. Maybe Sky Moore comes out of the woodwork in his second year. Somebody is going to have to have that yardage, but you have the ultimate advantage of the quarterback. And I, I think that is what the Chiefs are leaning into. We have the quarterback, just like Brady did over all those years. He won with different casts of characters. Right. Yeah. As long as you have that one guy, right, be it Randy Moss or, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski, whoever, whoever else is is on the team is going to eat uh, as well. And I think the Chiefs are, are leaning into that. Well, you, I, th- I think uh, there were a lot of years that they didn't even have a name player there, that there was mostly yeah. a no name, a no name group of pass. Catchers. In the early so, versions yeah. of the, the Patriots, it was more defensive minded. Then yeah. it kind of shifted as that that dynasty rolled along. But, yes, there were certain teams that didn't have the cast of, of characters that that you had in, in more of the recent Patriot mm-hmm, um, yeah. Brady years. And then certainly when Tom went down to uh, Tampa Bay, he had a lot of weapons. Uh, Gronk included, again, you know, showed up and 
Chiefs fans know all about that. I don't know why I keep bringing up the run it back season. That's the last time I'm going to mention it. You did it again. That's the last time I'm going to mention it this episode. I promise. I will. You know how you have the cursing jar. If I mention that season again, (laughs) we can come up with an amount that I'll have to put in, in, in that jar. All right. So those are the two big stories. DeAndre Hopkins goes to the Tennessee Titans. It, It is what it is. Uh, I think uh, it would have been nice to have Hopkins just couldn't make it work with the salary. And and again, I, I think that started with the Baltimore Ravens and Odell Beckham Jr. So if you're looking for someone to blame John Harbaugh, so find him tweeted him. I'm not even <laughs> sure if he has a Twitter, but I think he's the one to blame for the chiefs, not having one of these marquee number one wide receivers. Had that not happened, I think one of those guys would have been in Kansas city, but your price is what it is on the open market, right? Like you can say that about more than just the NFL. What is your price? It's what someone is willing to pay for you. Change for Kansas City early in the offseason. All right. So we talked about Chris Jones. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, again, you're getting us back today on a day that we were at training camp. I was at training camp, and we got to see the Chiefs for the first time. Again, it's just quarterbacks and, and rookies at this point. And there were 32 Chiefs in attendance. And the biggest story of the day, John, I would say, was Isaiah Pacheco being there. Not sure exactly why Andy Reid answered the question uh, on Tuesday about Isaiah Pacheco, that he was a mystery, that we weren't sure if he was going to be on PUP or not, that the Chiefs had to, he was alluding to the Chiefs having to run all these tests. But we get to camp today, and it was funny. You see all the 30, 31 Chiefs run out, and then all of a sudden, you see Isaiah Pacheco near sprinting out to the field. And I, <laughs> I said, I was like, man, this looks like a guy that hasn't played football since February. And that was exactly it. He has not played football since the Super Bowl. We know that he had surgery on a broken bone between his index finger and his thumb. We know that he had surgery on a, a torn labrum, couldn't participate during any of the organi- organized team activities, the OTAs. And he was ready to hit the field. Now, he was wearing one of those yellow pinnies that quarterback Patrick Mahomes, Shane Bouchelle, Blaine Gabbert wear that says, look, don't touch this guy. He's too important, and they want nobody touching Isaiah Pacheco at this time. But aside from that, and aside from not participating in in seven-on-seven, you would not have been able to tell he was injured. He looked all the explosive that we've seen in the past. He was cutting on a dime, stopping on a dime. He was running wheel routes in, in install periods and leaping and high pointing balls. He looked like the player from last year. And look, I don't know when he's going to be a full participant. That may not happen till August 15th for all we know, but I'm Mm -hmm. telling you what I saw today. And this is the big story is that there is no way he misses any regular season time based upon what I saw. And I think that's a very nice development for the chiefs. Yeah, it was a surprising development, but as I explained to somebody uh, earlier today, in fact, uh, it might've been, possible to interpret what Andy Reid said yesterday uh, by thinking that Reid had no idea what condition he was in and uh, that, you know, they hadn't talked to him at all. He said, I haven't talked to him. Rick Burkholder, he implied that Rick Burkholder had not talked to him either. And the question then becomes, well, didn't they talk to him before? Well, of course they did. But he's been out of the building for three weeks and neither one of them were up to date on his current condition, how he feels today. Neither one had, had talked to him once he walked back into the building uh, yesterday. And so what apparently has occurred is that during that period of time, he improved much better than the chiefs expected him to. And I think, um, and I think they were pleasantly surprised that he was in much better shape than they thought. And so they get to put him out on the field and test where he's at, which is the reason that these injured players participate in these rookie sessions. So they can, you know, go through with these easy practices and get some kind of a sense of where they are in the rehabilitation. It's really excellent news. Um, I, I, I think I was a little worried about it, frankly, about whether or not Pacheco would be able to play. And uh, I know that would have upset a lot of Chiefs fans to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire out there as the starter at the beginning of the season. And I didn't want to deal with that conversation with people. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm tired of talking about it. You know, I. I I'm I'm tired of, of, of arguing about Edwards Zolaire. And so the idea that uh, Pacheco could be ready for week one is just terrific. Yeah. The funny thing that I saw with Pacheco is it wasn't even just on the field where he impressed me, especially someone coming back from injury. 
he couldn't participate in seven on seven, but he was fully engaged in seven on mm-hmm. seven. Yeah. He would have his helmet off uh, on the sideline and he, when the offense and look, you're talking about mostly guys that are not going to make the team, right? It's a lot of undrafted rookies. It's a lot of guys that are like on the bubble of the bubble of like that 69 man roster that we like to talk about uh, when you're talking about the practice squad. Doesn't matter. Isaiah Pacheco, you have Shane Bouchelle, Blaine Gabbert and Chris Latacoon throwing touchdowns and he is screaming at the top of his lungs. We're going to score touchdowns on you all day. There are some things that I'm not going to say on this podcast network because I don't want to make Steve have to, to bleep it. He is screaming to the defensive backs that are trying to make this team. You guys might as well go home at the top of his lungs. And I did notice after this period, Andy Reed did walk over to Pacheco and I had my binox with me and I I'm looking and there's some smiles there and Reed tapping him and he, he might've corralled him a, a little bit. But if you were worried about someone screaming their head off on offense with Eric B now in Washington, I think Isaiah Pacheco is ready to pick up that, that, <laughs> that slack, uh, so to speak, but really good to see that he was so engaged in, and it, it looked like a guy and felt like a guy that was dying to get on the football field. And that that's exactly what you want to see. I think in a second year, player of any position that is going into their sophomore year because a lot of times john these these guys that have success in their first year they go through the the sophomore slump it's it's real it's proven it's something that exists where you have to get out over some of those sophomore woes and just to see him so enthusiastic so uh part of the team in a way like also coming up to 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 training camp um some of these guys that that are eligible for this particular camp, you know, if you're injured or had been on the practice squad, you, you know, you can be there. Uh, Cornell Powell is another player that was up there today. Just good to see him, I think, back in the mix. And the Chiefs need him, right? We just talked about how other players now that they don't have that definitive number wide receiver are going to number one wide receiver are going to have to really contribute. And again, just good to see Pacheco in in the mix here and i i think what you're looking at from 2023 to 2024 if i'm I'm making a guess right here i think your number one and number two running backs are pacheco and mckinnon mckinnon that pass catching that pass blocker type of back clyde edwards alaire ends up being your change of pace i also think deneric prince makes this team we're going to run our first 53-man roster projection on saturday i think deneric prince makes this team as the kick returner learns how to pass protect Potentially McKinnon retires next year. I think Prince maybe bumps up to number two, right? Clyde's probably with a num- uh, another team if we're, I think, taking a guess here. And then you have other late round backs uh, that are that are in the mix as, as of 2024. But it, that seems to be both the short and the long term plan for the Chiefs running back position. And I think it's funny in, in Kansas City. I mean, you're seeing all, all of these headlines about running backs and not getting paid. They uh, are a perfect example of a group that you, you know, in, in that old school style of football where you needed that number one back, they had one of the best ever in Jamal Charles. And now it's much more of like, let's get somebody late round. Let's lean into that committee type of thing. They've really adjusted as, as the years have gone on to what the running back position is and have been really smart about it, I, I think, in a way. Well, most of the conversation about that uh, seems to be on. Um, you know, you can get the same production out of a running back that's taken in later rounds versus one that's taken in early rounds. Yeah. I think it's, I think the real issue here is that the analytics crowd have convinced football coaches that you just can't get very close to winning with a running game, that it's only purpose in the modern game is to keep defenses on their toes. Yeah. Keep them uh, honest. Yes. Keep them honest about the passing game. And certainly the Chiefs have had a very effective offense with that two-to-one ratio of passing plays to running plays. And it hasn't mattered that their rushing attack hasn't been great. At the same time, uh, the Chiefs' running uh, rushing defense hasn't been very good uh, during most of the, the read years. And it hasn't mattered mm-hmm. because when you dig down into the analytics – uh, they make a pretty clear case that running the ball just doesn't lead to point production uh, the way that passing does. And I think that's what's going on here is that uh, teams have realized that there's just no point in investing a lot of money in a running back because it's just not going to make that much difference in, in how many points you can put on the scoreboard. I don't think it's about 
draft position or production, any of that. I think it's just they've realized that it's just not a way to win games. Mm -hmm. um, and so every time I watch one of these guys on Sunday morning uh, on television talking about, well, here's what they need to do to beat the Chiefs. They need to run the ball and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field as much as possible. No, no, that doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not all that's going to do is make the Chiefs score even faster. <laughs> you, right. It's just not an effective strategy to beat the and, Chiefs. And, and everybody knows that now. I think that was the sole reason, you know, in the other side of it, I think that was the sole reason in, in drafting Leo Chanel was like, let's develop a pure run stopper. Keandre Coburn was another one uh, retaining Derek Naughty, I think was uh, a reason why they, you know, they want to be better at, at stopping the run. And and look, I, I think there is something to that. And if the chiefs are, are good on defense, I don't know how teams are, are going to win. I know that some people have been saying, well, if they get, or I should say lose, I, I know that some people are saying, well, if they get Deandre Hopkins, they're going to go undefeated. I think, yeah. I think it's the defense. If the defense Let's say, you know, we've been talking about this potential for years. Like if the defense could be top 10, that to me is going to bring you closer to that, you know, loose of perfect season um, than anything else, especially when you have Mahomes and I, I think his ability to make anything work. Um, see, John, I went from 2020 to now talking about a, a potential perfect season. That's where we need to be uh, here on day one of, of training camp. I talked about Rasheed Rice in his day, he caught a touchdown between two defensive backs trying to make the team, Anthony Cook and Isaiah Norman. We don't have to spend much more time on Rice. I thought it was an interesting nugget that he had worked with Shane Bouchelle this offseason, and that makes sense. That is one of his college quarterbacks from his days at SMU. Nico Remigio, that had been someone we had mentioned, I think, in, in previous observations, but he, he projects as a special teams guy, I think is going to be vying for one of those spots in, in Dave Tobe's unit potentially one of those COVID specials that they kept, John, where the rules changed mm -hmm. during COVID, yeah. where you can call up a guy, I believe it's three times, yeah. right, uh, from mm -hmm. the practice squad. So I think that's his ceiling, unless there were to, to be an injury in the wide receiver room. But I think if, if Remigio, who had two touchdowns in the day, five catches uh, during the practice, I think if he is to make it to the end, then so long as he doesn't go crazy in the preseason games and makes it through waivers, I think it's a possibility he could get scooped. But I think if he were to make it through waivers, then he will be on the practice squad. But good to see that there is some depth even beyond Justin and John Ross and Amir Smith-Marset. There's another guy I think that you got to watch now. And uh, I just saw that the Chiefs actually tweeted out one of his catches today, Remigio. So just another player to watch in a very suddenly deep wide receiver room, especially at the back end of it. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you, are you thinking that the chiefs, you know, you're thinking about your 53 man. Are you mm -hmm. thinking the chiefs go six or seven? Just give us a little preview here. Yeah, I I'm, this is not going to be a very interesting or, or, or popular preview. I think cornerbacks and wide receivers are locked in at <laughs> six apiece, And I think we know who they are. I've okay. said that on the show right. before. Uh, I know that there's been some thought that, you know, maybe the Chiefs end up keeping an extra wide receiver and, and you, you know, you go to that fullback. But I just think there are other positions that are more important that, you know, you end up needing an extra guy. Like I, I do think four tight ends make the team. Right. And I, and yeah, I, I agree I think, with that. Yeah. You know, I think you'd rather keep an extra offensive lineman. Uh, we've seen how important, you know, that is. Uh, you know, you talk about uh, an extra back. I think Daneric Prince is a guy they really like. So it's like you're running, even though they're they're getting rid of the fullback finally, you're just running out of room to force one of these guys uh, into the lineup. And I know everybody wants Justin Ross. You know, most most fans and, and listeners and readers really want Justin Ross. I just have a hard time seeing where he can make this team. And I know that this on, on 610 Sports Radio. And it, look, this is not my energy. This is the energy of Carrington Harrison on Six Cent Sports. If you listen to this podcast, you know exactly who I'm talking about. One of his questions was, hey, where was Justin Ross? Again, C. Harrison, not PG Sween this time. But my answer was, look, uh, either way, you know, one or the other, it wasn't a good thing today because A, he's injured and the Chiefs have said, you know, because Cornell Powell was there. Like, think about that. Cornell Powell was there. So it's not like, hey, He's not a rookie. He can't be there. No, he could have been there. 
So A, he's injured, and on Sunday we'll see him working out of the injury tent or even worse, maybe not even on the practice field where he's going through rehab in, in one of the, the buildings. Or B, for whatever reason, he chose not to be there or the, couldn't work it out with the coaching staff to be up there. It's got to be one of the two, and neither is a good thing for Justin Ross, right? Mm-hmm. So right. I continue to have my very unpopular hesitation um, or you know, on, on leaning into the phenom and the, the legend of, of Justin Ross. I just, <laughs> I cannot wrap my head around it. And like I, I've said it before, I, I think John Ross and, and Amir Smith Marset based upon their returning capabilities are more interesting to me. John Ross isn't, or Justin Ross isn't exactly a returner. And now you have Nico Remigio that is up at camp and he's showing out on day one. So where does that put Justin Ross again, based upon my very unpopular opinion, wide receiver 10. So even if they keep seven, John, that's not, <laughs> he's not going to make it. So I, I, I hate to say it, but I, that's kind of where I stand as I look at this 53 man roster. Well, people want him to make the team because of what an incredible story it would be. Okay? Yeah. And, sure. and, 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 I get and, that. and, and I get that completely because I'm usually the guy who's, you know, all in on some player because of this great story or the great speech they gave at press conference and training camp. Uh, you know, sorry, Darwin Thompson, but you just weren't good enough to make the team, you know, but I loved the guy. Darwin Thompson had the gall to stand up there and say, draft me <laughs> on your fantasy team. Yeah. What do you, let's, do a, let's, let's do a quick game, John, now that you've brought up Darwin Thompson. I'm oh, going to look it up here. Here we go. As we go, how many <laughs> career carries does Darwin Thompson have in the NFL? Oh, gosh. Um, hasn't he been a practice squad player everywhere? I guess you he know had what? some carries with the Chiefs, right? Yeah, let, he did. Let me tell you something. I, I have the number here. I'll give you a little hint. It's okay. it's more than I thought, um, to be fair okay, to, the, I'm gonna to, be say, fair to Darwin. I'm going to say it's 50 then. 50 is a good guess. If we were on the prices right, you'd have a pretty good chance of cashing in on the vacation. It's 64. That's that's okay. Yeah, that's more than I thought. Uh, he's got a career 3.5, so not quite uh, Jamal Charles out of the backfield. Uh, he ended up going to Seattle eventually. Uh, he only got carries though with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2019 and 2020. But yes, he stood up there and he said during training camp, I didn't want to say it last year because I didn't believe it, but this year I know draft me on your fantasy team, <laughs> and that's what he. Well, but but, but people people love that kind of a story. And that's just another example of one that I personally was all in on. And I think that's okay. I think it's great for people to feel that way about a player and and want to see him succeed. But man, he's got a lot of things to get over in order to make it onto the roster at this point. And, And not being available today, for whatever reason it was, as you say, no bueno. Not no. a good look at all. And and not it, it doesn't help us, you know, predict that he's going to be on the team uh when the first week of the season comes. It's just I, it's just not helpful. I should have gave my disclaimer before we started talking about the elephant in the room, but of course I hope I'm wrong, right? I, I should have yeah. said that before I, I gave my little <laughs> spiel on Justin Ross. I think a key day will be Sunday. Like let's see if he is out there because if he's out yeah. there then he probably should have been out there today if he's really trying to make the, the squad. All and right, then let, we'll finally see him play, too. That's another thing, is that he's a complete <laughs> unknown, right? We don't really well, have any idea what he's going to look we like. We had a couple of videos last offseason before they realized that the surgery had gone bad and they had to redo it. And he was in the he was on the IR the whole year in meetings. I don't know. We well, It still remains to be seen. Maybe we could be dead wrong about this, but I just you know, keep your expectations at bay. A couple other observations. I thought Nick Jones had a nice day. This isn't the first time I've called out his name during the offseason. Brett Veach in the seventh round. I, I just think Brett Veach should just wait till the seventh round, and then he should make all his picks then in, in it because it, it so far so good. We are very early here. I mean, we just talked about how Justin Ross, we have to see him play. We have to see Nick Jones actually play in a preseason game at the NFL level. But he broke up two passes, one from Patrick Mahomes and one from Bouchelle today, Jamari Connor defensive back that they're probably going to run as a safety. He had a pass breakup of Chris, a lot of coons. So uh, some late picks, uh, Connor, a fourth rounder, Jones, a seventh rounder, day three picks uh, playing well early. I thought Mahomes looked fine. I know he, he scared everybody a little bit by saying he had to test his ankle. Did seem like he may, may have been 
taken a few less reps than he usually did, but how many reps does he need during rookie camp, right? Probably just getting eased in uh, into it and seeing what you have in those other guys. One question I do have for Andy Reid, uh, and and hopefully an intern is listening so that he'll be prepared for it when I when I do ask it, is <laughs> is the battle, is there a real legitimate battle between Bouchel and Gabbert for this job? You know, what what how do you see that? Because I, I tend to think Gabbert will just be the guy, but uh, I, I'd be interested in, in seeing, you know, does Bouchel have a legitimate opportunity here to, to potentially be that backup? And that'll be determined by reps and training camp. That's how that's how about there aren't a ton of battles in in this cheap particular Chiefs camp that are like all that interesting for like starting positions. So backup quarterback does intrigue me, John. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. I, there are a couple of battles, I think. I think offensive line is going to be a little crazier than we anticipate. I think that's a possibility. But yes, just in terms of numbers, there aren't as many battles as we usually see. Well, I you guess, mentioned, I guess that's right. Yeah. You mentioned the offensive line. That to me is the most interesting battle, not for any of the starting positions, but for the swing tackle. Like I think it's Wanya yeah. Morris and Lucas Niang. That's that is interesting. And you see throughout the years, the Chiefs always seemingly have an injury or two at least uh, uh, along the offensive line. So that's uh, an important position. Seems like Nick Allegretti to me has that utility interior thing locked up but mm -hmm, you do yeah. miss andrew wiley beyond these guys i know that he was a starter last year but he, i mean he when he was originally had his role with the chiefs it was like plug and play anywhere right he would go anywhere mm -hmm, and could play yeah. anything but center and i think some of those backup offensive line positions will be interesting to watch final thing i did see turk wharton today Moving okay. Uh, this is a guy who tore his ACL, so good to see him walking. Didn't really look like he had a brace or any kind of compression sleeve. Uh, he was doing some things on the sideline, not even in uniform. He was uh, in a long sleeve type of workout shirt. You know, one of the what do they call those? Um, you, you, I, I'm the word is escaping me, but those loose fit workout shirts, and he was oh, okay. uh, yeah. doing uh, dry fit. Dry fit. That's what I was looking for. He was oh, doing yeah. uh, rehab work, really just slow and steady. To me, I wouldn't rule out, just based upon what I saw today, and we'll be monitoring this and I'll be updating you, but uh, I wouldn't rule out that like beginning of year PUP for him where you miss the first six weeks and, and have to chill for a little bit, uh, but remains to be seen. Again, we are in day one of 50 days before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We're we're getting a long a little way bit, to go here yeah. yeah yeah we're just it's providing a little bit of an earlier look than we ever get so if camp had started at a regular time maybe a week and a half to two weeks from now and that was our first look maybe Turk wharton would be uh seemingly like further along but uh it is what it is right now that wraps up my observations from day one of a very long chiefs training camp we get two more practices with the rookies and the quarterbacks they will happen on thursday and friday uh veterans will report sometime between friday and saturday morning i don't think we're getting the classic from what i can hear or, or what i've been hearing i don't think we're getting the classic wait and see the veterans walk in this year because the window is so great john so hmm, the okay not only is the not only are the days of the fullback over we we may not have <laughs> that big pomp and circumstance from any of the players that we would get in the days of, of Sherman, which is that really a bad thing? I, I think in, in a way, uh, and I'm dating myself here, but I think, I think the dressing up for training camp has jumped the shark a little bit. So I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too sad to see the, the veteran arrival go. Are you? I, I, no, not necessarily. I mean, it has, it has been fun to cover, but it was mostly fun to cover on the basis of one player, Anthony Sherman, who's been gone for Sherman. a couple of seasons now. And so, uh, you know, beyond that, nobody really had a way to improve on what he did. You know, he always had a, a way to keep us talking about it. I noticed yesterday, I'll, I'll just say this now, that uh, I saw a, tw a tweet yesterday that had some video of a player arriving in camp. And I noticed that in the background, a well-known television reporter was sitting on a bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I don't think I've ever seen that in a video uh, for outside of Spratt Hall during uh, the, the the week preceding training camp. Normally, they're all on their feet with their phones out, uh, you know, hoping to catch a glimpse of the next player to come in. But this particular reporter, who's been in the market for a long time, I'm not naming any names, was sitting on the bench. 
And uh, so that tells you pretty much all you need to know about how exciting this has become <laughs> up there at Chiefs training camp when the players are arriving. John Dixon quite literally telling you how the sausage get it is made. <laughs> we'll be back right here on the Airhead Pride Editor's Show with a roundtable of headlines. We want to see Steve will join us. Stay with us. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. It is day one of training camp, day one of what is the on season. The NFL season is coming. We are 50 days out from what will be Chiefs and Lions on opening night. The banner raised at Arrowhead Stadium, a much more fun banner ceremony than the last time around when I think there were 10, 15 people in the stadium during that terrible, <laughs> terrible pandemic. Uh, John, I mentioned before the break that I was dating myself with Jump the Shark. I'm just going to continue on that trend. There was a show, I think it was in the 90s. Steve, you may know this show. You uh, are, are somebody, Steve Serta joining us now, uh, our podcast producer. You're somebody who likes old school type of shows and some comic books and, <laughs> and whatnot. Do you remember the TV show Early Edition? I don't know. It okay, it doesn't do. sound familiar. Maybe I do. So, here was the premise of Early Edition. I don't know where this show is because a lot of times you could find these old shows on the streaming services. Maybe I remember it being better than it was. But a guy, and now I'm going to use a word that some new listeners don't know, would open a newspaper that came to his door. <laughs> and it was tomorrow's newspaper. It was the next day's newspaper. And a lot of times, what what with newspapers, if it bleeds, it leads. So he would see, oh, no, there was a terrible murder yesterday. I'm going to go stop this thing. So we are going to play our own uh, edition of early edition and try to come up with <laughs> headlines that we'd like to see before the end of training camp. And I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've never heard of this television show. All right. Well, I, I, I remember the show you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> But you if you're really talking tonight. old school, we have to be talking about Time Tunnel from 1964. Okay, okay let's that, just that's, when it, listen. That's this is old in the future. Yeah. I thought you were going to okay. say Murder She Wrote. At least somebody oh, no, would no, know no. what that is. <laughs> All right, so uh, John and I have been yapping, Steve. You've been listening to us, so we're going to let you go first. Which headline would you like to see before the end of Chiefs training camp? I think with the conversations that we've been having all off season and the question marks that you have with the wide receiver room. And now we can finally stop talking about Deandre Hopkins. Thank you. I'm so excited to not talk about Deandre Hopkins anymore. I think the headline that I would love to see is chief second year wide receiver. Sky Moore is taking that step. Like, is setting himself up for a breakout season and looks like he is solidifying himself as a starting wide receiver in the Chiefs rotation. And he can step right into that Juju Smith-Schuster role because I have high expectations for Sky. I think he can be a really big playmaker for this offense. So I desperately want it to work out for Sky in year number two. I think it has to, right? Like even if you have yeah. Kadarius Tony taking another step, you need that third guy uh, as well, right? You have your one and your two option. You need a third option in Kansas City. I, I think when Patrick Mahomes is playing his best, he ends up having nine or ten guys on the stat sheet with a reception. That's when I feel like we have the best version of Patrick Mahomes. Like Travis Kelsey might have 117 yards, 180 yards, but every you know every receiver, every pass catcher is getting involved, and that would require the number three, number four receiver getting involved. And so I like that one, and that is potentially a headline that you might see on ArrowheadPride.com. I picked Sky to be the receiver that leads the room in receiving yards this year. So we'll see if that prediction comes true. Okay, John, let's go to you for your first headline in Chiefs early edition. Uh, I'm kind of going for carnage uh, in my the headlines that I have chosen. Uh, <laughs> not okay. necessarily predicting these things will happen. Like I will say that. But but I'm but I'm I'm just trying to you know get some stuff cleaned up. That's how I'm looking at mm -hmm. it. So uh, my first headline is actually it's it's an A and a B. It could be either one of these. Justin Ross makes the 53 man roster, or Justin Ross traded for a seventh round draft pick. Now my life. <laughs> Now, my logic here is, just like Steve, I'm tired of talking about DeAndre Hopkins. I'm tired of talking about Justin Ross. Um, and I'd like for this to get settled one way or another, either by him making the team because he's spectacular 
And it will become this wonderful story that that so many fans want it to be. I would be all in on that. I think all of us would be all, all in on that story. But if it can't be, let's let him go someplace else where he has a chance to make the team and be that story someplace else. I would not like to see Justin Ross on our practice squad, the Chiefs practice squad in this coming season, because, you know, I, I just like to get this settled one way or the other. Is, is, is that wrong? No, I, I think that's fair. I think that's a, I think that's a good one. Um, I, I think either way, it means a lot of clicks for AP and a lot of people talking about it. <laughs> So well, that's, it's all about us, of course. I'm a I'm a fan of <laughs> of either one of those headlines. I, I I think you're right though, and I you know I I had mentioned the receivers on the other side of this uh, in uh, not only Ross, John Ross, uh, Smith Marset, now Remigio. There's other receivers too that sure, are, are yeah. even beyond Cornell Powell and, and Jerry and Ely. I think there are potential other teams that could use some of these guys. So if they can't work out in Kansas city and Andy Reid truly does feel this way, if they can't work out in Kansas city, he hopes that they catch on with somebody else. So yes, if, if Justin Ross cannot be the story in Kansas city, perhaps that he, he can have some success elsewhere as, as long as it's not Denver or Las Vegas or I Ross would Andrews. be okay. I'd be okay with Justin Ross making the practice squad. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I'd be totally fine. If that's, <laughs> if that's all that happens for him this season, um, but yeah, I, I'm with you, John. It's Sky Moore. That's 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 what I'm rooting for this season. <laughs> yeah, I I think mine uh, would be, and I'll start on the defensive side for my first headline. It's Felix and Odik Duque Izama looks prepared to contribute mm. in Week One. Yeah, and I just think it's so important. I think it might be the most important storyline in the in the the Chiefs universe in that look. I know that Juju Smith-Schuster is not here, but I think we've seen Patrick Mahomes work with anybody. What you really have with Frank Clark going to the Denver Broncos and Carlos Dunlap, as I, I mentioned, I think will happen, but not in the mix yet, is a little bit of a question mark at edge defender. Like, I like Mike Dana. Yeah, you know what I mean? I I like Malik Herring. I, I think Joshua Kando, it's now or never for him, right? Right. Beyond... Mm-hmm. George Karloftis, do you really have any sure things? And I know Amena who plays both inside outside, but do you have any sure things besides George Karloftis? And, and we're assuming that seven game stretch in the playoffs where he was able to get one sack in the AFC title is a sure thing, which is again, I, we're assuming that, which we, you never know, but let's assume that he's a sure thing at, at, at edge. You need someone else to step up. I like Mike Dana and I tend to think the way this goes is Mike Dana is that starting edge as the team stands right now. And you hope that he takes a significant step forward while uh, Felix does develop. But what a story would be if you get to the preseason game, this undersized local prospect. We know the story. I've talked about uh, how you need the on the field for the off the field to matter. If Felix is that guy from day one, in the sense of like Karloftis, I, I said it, it really took toward the back end of the season for him to be right. something mm-hmm. yeah. him right away being able to contribute when it comes to quarterback pressures uh, and quarterback sacks. I, I completely approve of this, uh, of this pick uh, Pete, although I'm a little concerned that there's not enough carnage in it, okay. but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, but I think you're making a really good point and, and I'd like to see that too. I'd like to see, um, and Yudike Uzama uh, come out and be a, a good player who can start and can be a contributor uh, right from the beginning of the season. He doesn't have to be a big star. He just right. has to be somebody who can hold down that side of the line and gets us, get a little bit of production, and then I'll be happy because I think he's going to be a player who's going to be around the team for a while, and I think he'll be, become a good one if he isn't one in his first year. Now, before we started the broadcast, Steve was – cheeky and and bragging about how many headlines he had so we'll let you go john (laughs) ahead uh, because we know if that you use one of steve's it sounds like he has a scroll length of headlines to to share Uh, i don't i don't think i don't think this is one of steve's this is more carnage here okay (laughs) that is your magic yeah this cassidy over uh prince tega wanogo becomes the Mm. starting left tackle now i'm not you know i'm only bringing this up because it, going back to what I said earlier in the show, that the Chiefs need to be 
building from young players rather yep. than having these veterans come in at big contracts and kind of stuff like that. I wish no ill towards Donovan Smith. And if he comes in and plays great this season, I'm all for that. I hope he wins. I hope he earns all of his incentives because that means the Chiefs have found a guy who could play well for a season, which they need right now. But what I'd really like to see is a player that develop uh, while wearing the red and gold into a player that can stay with the team for a few years and sign another contract for another three or four years without breaking the bank. And that's what I, that's what the team really needs. We've already got, you know, some players that are making uh, big salaries and we need fewer of those guys. We need people who can play, uh, who are young and ascending. Uh, so you could substitute uh, Wanye Morris in there instead of uh, Prince uh, or Lucas Niang uh, in there instead of Prince. All I'm saying is that if Donovan Smith should happen to get hurt during training yeah. camp and, you know, that could happen. Uh, based on information that we now have. If he ends up getting hurt in training camp, I hope that one of these young guys can come in and grab that starting left tackle spot and and move forward. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. I, I think Tego Inogo is a, an interesting choice in, in the numbers game because you look at the five starters, we know who they are. We don't need to say it. You have Wanye Morris, six, Nick Allegretti, seven, Darian Kennard, eight, Lucas Niang, nine, who I believe are probably making the team. And then you have Austin Ryder. Austin Ryder just will hang out on the practice squad and chill until he is needed. Yeah. He is. It yeah. sounds, seems like he has a special agreement with the Chiefs where he is just going to be on the practice <laughs> squad. In, in a way, he's a much quieter version of Eric Garrick Dieter. Like, you just don't hear from Austin Ryder. But he's got that Garrick Dieter spot right now where he's just installed on the practice squad and, and hanging there. So I don't think you have to worry about him. And then you're looking at the Chiefs keeping that 10th offensive lineman. Uh, you have Mike Caliendo, Anderson Hardy, Jerome Carvin in that mix, some other names that are, are lesser known. And uh, I, I think it, making the team would be big for him, but that, again, plays into the fullback. Do they keep an extra offensive lineman? Do they go to another position? And do they keep only nine offensive line? Because we've seen that, them do that in the past. So, uh, But I, I think it's a, a good point. I, we do assume right now that the offensive line is set, but you never know what can happen in training camp based upon injury. And even if someone shows up and, and really impresses the coaching staff, we have seen uh, tweets you know, from myself and others at training camp where you show up to training camp and you're like, what is that offensive lineman doing at left guard today with Patrick Mahomes? And then all of a sudden you're like, is this offensive line going to be different? So, yes, uh, younger players pushing these veterans is always a, a good headline to, to see. All right, Steve, what's your final headline in Chiefs Early Edition? Mine is pretty positive again, so John's going to be disappointed. But this is—I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's opposite day on this future early edition because usually uh, Steve comes in as a, the token curmudge that we bring in sometimes. In the I think AP I think I'm John still, is Mister Positivity. I think I'm still just flying from quarterback. Like it just got okay. me really, really excited yeah. for football. Big Mariota guy. You kind of look like Mariota a little bit. Okay, go ahead. Um, well, thank you. I guess um, or not. I, I don't know how to say that, but. Um, so my next one is, and, and I think this is a player that I feel like we just haven't talked a lot about. And I know, you know, off season, it's which veteran wide receiver are the chiefs going to sign or which veteran, uh, defensive end are they going to bring in or trade for? And then it's the rookie class and how those guys impact everything. But I really hope at some point we see a headline that says, Trent McDuffie is taking that step into becoming an elite playmaker for the Chiefs secondary in his second year because we saw flashes and all kinds of potential with him last season. The end, you know, and I feel like because of the injury and he was a big time contributor late in the season and then they had so many other rookies who were making impacts. I just feel like we've overlooked a little bit how awesome hmm. Trent McDuffie was last season yeah. and Legarius Sneed is, you know, heading into the final year of his contract, and there has been absolutely like no discussion <laughs> about him getting extended here in Kansas City. And I love Legarius Sneed; he's an incredibly versatile weapon. But if Trent McDuffie takes that step to being a, a truly elite player in your secondary, and I think that he showed enough last season that I, I think we should be totally optimistic that he can take that step, then. That solves a lot of problems for the Chiefs over the next couple of years, at least with that group. And then, of course, if you just get 
Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, those guys to continue to play well, Brian Cook, then all of that is just great for your defense in general. But Trent McDuffie is the guy that you need to really pan out. I like Trent Thumbs McDuffie. Up. Yeah, yeah, I like I like, I like the Trent McDuffie pick. Very quiet, I think, all pro possibility. I think he's that good or has that potential. We'll see how he shows up to to training camp. A really nice pick by the Chiefs. If you've read some of the things this offseason and, and conversations that I've had with, with people at, at the Chiefs, they didn't expect to be in a position to trade up for him. You no, know, that was a shock to them. You know, we talk about how Brett Veach never drafts a defensive back. He was waiting for one that he really liked, and he was right about this one in the first round, again, trading ahead of the, the Buffalo Bills. So we'll see the steps he takes. One of the headlines, and this isn't my last one, but I'd, I'd like to see is Lajarius Sneed extended. I think that was a, a nice hidden point in your last headline steve like we haven't really we've been so focused on chris jones we haven't really talked about legerius need and he's become such an important player for steve spagnola you wonder how the chiefs feel about sneed right we we thought they liked charvarius ward but they weren't willing to pay that price tag what is sneed worth on the open market i don't think we really know what other gms would be willing to pay him we don't know how sneed feels if he would take a team-friendly deal just because kansas city believed in him and drafted him on day three and just depends on a lot you know there's a lot of factors that go into it so that would be a Another headline that I think I'd like to see, and my my final one, and I'll bring it back to the offensive side of the football to put a bow on this thing, is we get out of a preseason game, and there is a dot com headline on the Ringer or even SB Nation National that is like we should be paying more attention to Noah Gray. He does something in the preseason mm. where suddenly you have fantasy owners maybe picking him up and saying. Wait a minute. We've been so focused on these Chiefs wide receivers and how they have none that we haven't been paying attention to them pulling a, a new New England Patriots when they had the you know the the criminal tight ends of the the double tight end, <laughs> right? Like maybe they're going to do what the Patriots did with with making the focal point of the offense those two tight end sets. I, I think there's a possibility that we're not paying enough attention to Noah Gray. I think he's very quietly been developing. He has this monster shadow behind Travis Kelsey and look we say it I, I know we've, we've been waiting for it and I hope it never happens but at some point Kelsey is not going to be as productive in, in older age and maybe the Chiefs have his replacement right in front of us right or someone that no one's going to be Travis Kelsey but someone that's capable of shoring up that tight end position and while Kelsey's still in the team that second tight end can eat we saw it a little bit in Kansas City with Demetrius Harris now I think that's a very low floor and good enough floor for what Noah Gray can be. I think his ceiling is much higher than Harris. But what I'm saying is Andy Reid makes the playbook and makes plays based upon what he has in the room. And I, I, I think Noah Gray, and you started to see it a little bit last year, I think Noah Gray might be hiding in plain sight. And so maybe there's a, a headline during training camp that we should be paying more attention to the number two tight end in Kansas City. You know, uh, you're saying something that's kind of been at the back of my mind and I haven't really given it voice uh, over the last week or two. There was a piece that Ron Kopp wrote on our site about uh, the importance of uh, Noah Gray and uh, Jody Fortson to the offense that I thought made terrific points about both of those players and what they bring and uh, pointed out that uh, that Gray is the first player who has outproduced Harris uh, Mm -hmm. since 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 he was here uh, as the, as the reserve tight end. And I went nuts when, you know, uh, ESPN didn't want to unanimously name Travis Kelsey as the best tight end in the NFL. And then when they, they completely ignored Kelsey and gray as the best tight end duo, I kind of was upset about that. And I, and you're saying what I was, the point I was making was that gray's 300 yards and uh, was it three? T- no, a touchdown, I think, last year was the number. Um, you know, it was not a great number, but for, for being behind Travis Kelsey, it was a very impressive number. And I, and I think you're right. He's sitting there in plain sight. And the, the, the Duos article on, e, on uh, ESPN, well, it wasn't ESPN, whatever, sor- whatever the source was, the Duos article that I quoted on, the, on arrowheadpride.com was talking about how the Patriots – you know, used to have two tight ends that combined yeah. for a thousand yards. Well, yeah, maybe Travis Kelsey won't be able to do that this year. But will it matter if there are two tight ends that can combine for a thousand yards in terms of the offense? No, it won't. That's what Randy Reed needs. 
is the ability to have a tight end who can get a thousand yards in his offense. And whether it's Travis Kelsey or Nora Gray, it might not matter. There's something been brewing with Andy Reid and these multiple tight ends for years now. He's wanted to do it. And, you know, maybe he finally feels like he has the personnel. I, I do think that Jody Fortson and Blake Bell are also on this team. And you start to see some of those four tight end sets that we've been talking about for years. Uh, let's not forget before we move on completely from this, that Andy Reid used to call Demetrius Harris, the sloth. If there is a <laughs> nickname that you do not want to receive as a professional athlete, it is the sloth. And I, I don't think he's in the league anymore, but uh, it was great to have Demetrius here while it lasts. I think he moved on to the bears and that was about it for, for old Demetrius. All right. That is the return show of the Arrowhead pride editors show. We need reviews. I've said it. We'll read any reviews about the Arrowhead pride podcast network right here. What we need more importantly right now, though, is some fatherly advice for Brandon Kylie on Show and BK, which comes to you every Friday and uh, every Friday moving forward here. So uh, get those in on iTunes and please leave us five stars. We appreciate it. Good to be back with you. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to John. My name is Pete Sweeney. This has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 